Hello, and welcome to episode 46 of the Gaming Fix podcast on this November 24th, or as Sam would like to point out, November 25th, if you are Andre, myself, and living in Japan. Uh, I am joined today by Alex Galinas. Currently sitting around a 50 on Metacritic. Oh, that's... Eh, it could be better. You're not going to get a bonus this year. No. Uh, Pat. Um, stop calling it a rivalry. That's my new campaign. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's our best boy. And uh, here this week to not make any infactual statements about Pokemon, Sam. In dead silence. Oh, wait, Sam's, I think we lost Sam. <laughs> no, we did. No, I thought no. I thought he was like doing a bit. Like I, I can't. Wait. The only thing I can speak in is an accurate statement about oh. Pokemon. Okay, okay. He is here. yeah. It looked like Sam was just very stoically frozen for a second there. <laughs> no, I thought not a bit. Would you like to comment? Uh, yeah. Fuck all y'all. Uh, <laughs> wow. I mean, that's not an infectual statement about Pokemon, so I guess we'll we'll allow it. 150 dicks. That's, that is infectual. I need you to track that statement. Wait, 150 dicks? Yeah. There's no, there's no Pokemon. Mew is cool. There's, th- th- he's the 151st Pokemon. I don't exactly, think I said 150 of them are so dicks. He's the, he's like the first. Okay. Mew is the first Pokemon. But then they like retconned it, so Mew's not even the first Pokemon. Now there's like other like god Pokemon that like created the universe. So what? How do you? How do you? How do we think that the canon of uh, of the Detective Pikachu movie is going to fit in with the Pokemon movie? Like which which Pokemon movie? Like the first the one where we're after yeah, just Stone. You remember that re-release from last year where Pikachu spoke? They're just going to get Ryan Reynolds to dub That's- it. That was just oh, God. that was just like a dream sequence, though. Yeah, but like, if you've got Ryan Reynolds on the line, yeah, if you're already he'd doing, it. Ryan you know, Reynolds, he'd do it. Oh man, he's, if they did, if they made already a live action, they made a live action Pokemon movie where like Pikachu, there were like two Pikachu's just slapping the shit out of each other. Oh man! God. Well, who's to say that won't happen in Detective Pikachu? That, oh, that would be a really great that will happen. Good Pikachu, yeah, bad Pikachu. No, no, no! They're both good Pikachu's. They're just slapping each other for fun. Oh, yeah. no. one of like them, a Three Stooges situation. Yeah, one of them's three, two years away from retirement. Pikachu's. What? Retirement. Two detective Pikachu's. Yeah, he's a hard-boiled detective. It's like Knack Two, the best game ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Strangely, yes. still up for our Game of the Year awards. Hey, is, <laughs> is that game come out this year? I don't even know. Uh, In my heart, it came out every year. Speaking of game of the year, uh, Alex, what have you been playing? Oh, whatever been... the Alex, the next game Alex says is our game of the year, and he cannot <laughs> lie about the. Oh last no! Game. Oh no! This is a heavy. The last game he played. Oh, it's the last game I played because I played yeah. three games this week. The, 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 the most games does not count. Most I played <laughs> two games this week. <laughs> was games as an activity <laughs> wow way to, is an activity not a hobby wow way to throw shade at words not hobby grade 
I can just give you fucking JPEGs. It's like, hey, you solved this puzzle. Here's a JPEG. Yeah. Of like some birds. <laughs> yep. It's just it really, really the journey, not the reward. <laughs> yeah, no, like I, it's a fun game, but I'm just like, why? Why are you just giving me these nature JPEGs? Maybe, you so, know, maybe they're higher quality than JPEGs. But. Game of the year 2018, Wardscapes. Yep. No, uh, the last game I played chronologically was the PlayStation 4 release, God of War, which is apparently mm-hmm. our game of the year 2018. Okay, okay, I can live with it. If we, we can, yeah. Yeah. I'm fine with that, <laughs> actually. Don't need to record anything. It's, yeah. it's not my number one, but it's definitely in my top five, so. Yeah. Just, I don't think it's my number worse. one yet. I don't know. I haven't reached the end of it. Well, okay. it can get better like as it, it goes. You, you did recently get through the worst part of the game. Yes. Yeah. You did. For sure. Hey, you know, different people will probably feel about, you might feel different about what the worst part ends up being, but general consensus is that Alfheim, yeah. Alfheim, 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 Alfheim. The, the first realm you visit, which is kind of a spoiler, but not really at this point. Nah. Yeah, that's kind of the weakest point. But yeah, uh, what are your thoughts, Alex? Uh, I have super mixed feelings on that game. <laughs> I think it's like narratively and character wise, it's extremely good, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, I played a bit of it back when it came out in like what, March, April. I don't even remember mm-hmm. at this point. Um, and I thought in the first hour or so that I got, like, it was really cool to see Kratos kind of uh, characterized person <laughs> yeah like <laughs> characterized as a human rather than just like a massive muscle and also like i don't know uh <laughs> angst for the, lack kind of of better for term. the first all the early games he's kind of just like a, a massive dick oh yeah like in every in every way shape like he's literally like a dick that's really good at fighting yep and yeah that's <laughs> Uh-huh. I mean, it's true. He doesn't really do anything other than like fight and have sex with things. He's like, oh, punch, oh, fornicate, oh, my family yeah. is my <laughs> ash is ashes on skin. He's but, a very relatable character. I don't know yeah. what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been there. But no, yeah, I think his character in this is really good. And I think Atreus is kind of annoying, but he's all right <laughs> for the most part. Uh, I think, your... Oops, sorry. He goes uphill. Oh, no. Go ahead. Yeah. I've heard that, but I think the two dwarf characters that are the brothers or whatever are pretty great. Oh my God. They're so good. Uh, <laughs> I kind of like, I feel like Atreus's being shitty is what sold me on the story of that game. Like the segment where he starts being shitty, I was like, yeah, like characters shouldn't just do what you say all the time. Like if they were people like you're not, you know, so I like that aspect of it. Soldiers. I- I find him, I think they do such a good job. You're not really there yet, Alex, and I won't spoil anything about what happens, but mm-hmm. it is safe to say that he becomes shittier for a section of the story later on. Okay. Um, I don't think that's a spoiler to say that. Um, he And during that section, I love the way they translate that to the mechanics, kind of what you're saying, Sam. But at the same time, uh, he's such a massive dick that like, I don't know. It, 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 I think it's super well written and well done, but it actually did put me off a little bit from playing it because he was such a huge douche for a while there. Um, but that part I got through, I think Alex, the part you've just played, um, 
is definitely like when I got out of there, I was in the same place of like, I have pretty mixed feelings on this and I don't really understand why people love this game so much. Um, because that section mechanically, that Alfheim section mechanically is very weak. Um, it's a lot of corridor fights. Um, it's corridor shooting in a game where you don't shoot things really. So (laughs) that's very frustrating. I think. Yeah. No, I think my issues came with the combat in general. Like I would say in the first two hours, I mentioned it in our chat that it felt like the phone, the, sorry, the axe is made of foam. Like mm-hmm. basically like I even as an experiment, what I did was I upgraded the ability that lets you, uh, it's, you hold L one and R two and then you freeze everything around you. So mm-hmm. I went to a single enemy at the same level as me. Uh, I think it was the same level as me froze him and then saw how many hits it took just to kill that one enemy. And it took 21 hits. And I was just like, there's nothing fun about that. <laughs> so that gets better for sure. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you got to hit him in the head with the throwing axe. That's, that's what you I, yeah. You're yeah. not throwing the axe constantly. And like my, my favorite thing was to like throw the axe through a group of enemies, like wade in with my fists and destroy dudes and then pull it back out and like break the shit out of other people. Like the, the, if you flow in that combat in the way that it's designed for you to flow, like the game is awesome. You can totally button mash that game. And in the same way you can button mash like half the content in the first half of monster hunter. Mm -hmm. But like when you get into the flow, that game becomes something completely different. It almost to me started to feel like by mid game that I was more choreographing fights than I was Uh trying to win where I thought to myself, what's the coolest thing I could do right now? And usually that was the best option for how to actually win the fight. Like, like yeah. what you're saying, Sam, like throw the axe and then punch for a bit and then recall it and have it hit a bunch of guys or like throw the axe into one guy to freeze him, punch this other guy in the jaw, knock him on the ground, pull the axe back, kill that guy and then throw it again at the guy I had frozen. Like that kind of, that's sort of how it starts to feel eventually, but it definitely takes some time for you to have, the axe upgraded to a point where that works. I think the early game is structured so that things feel spongy so that you're forced to use a lot of different moves to understand how all of them work. And then you start upgrading the axe and it gets more and more powerful. So it starts to feel a little more like it's capable of doing what you want it to. At least that's kind of how I felt. And then also you get like moments where you can actually upgrade the axe and then you actually do that's kind of what i'm referring to yeah the specific like slotting stuff into the axe to upgrade it or when you give it to them and they put the runes on it to make it stronger yeah yeah so i've actually been doing a couple of side quests because i dislike the combat so much (laughs) just to upgrade stuff so i can be a little overpowered Uh, which ones have you done uh the first two that were available to you from the from the dwarves uh there's um some very cool side quests with uh animal in chains I strongly yep. suggest uh, you get to those. I did all those for sure. Yep. The first one is available actually super early in the game. Like I think really close to where you are, if not where you are. Um, and I couldn't recommend an activity more. Uh, there's a lot of really good dialogue between Kratos and Atreus and yep. kind of everything that stuff is, kind yeah. of comes together there really well. Great. Yeah. I, you'll hit a point. I don't think it's a spoiler. I mean, I think it's been pretty well, covered but there's there's a specific very hard type of enemy that you'll experience eventually that's all mm-hmm. side content yeah um th- i would recommend trying to get through at least one of those fights because 
I only ended up fighting one of them, and the the there's actually some story stuff, I guess, around fighting them all, and I kind of plan yeah, to do that yeah. next year probably. Um, but but that fight, it was very hard, and it took me probably five or six tries. But it's one of the most rewarding boss fights I've ever experienced in a game. Cool. Was was winning that side fight against that kind of tough enemy. Um, it's really really cool and impeccably well designed. The last thing I have left in the game is to beat the final Valkyrie and then like yeah, collect some ravens. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. No. Uh, I mean, we talked about this before, so it's not yeah. really spoiling it for us. No, I, it's not. I spoiling. think it's not spoiler to say Valkyrie, <laughs> the but the combat is like every fight is super, super cool, and like you think, like oh, big winged whatever. You think like it's going to be one way, but then like some of the fights are like almost entirely ground based, and like it's just yep. really cool. Like, and you learn the you learn the patterns, and it's very precise dodging. Like you know exactly yeah. when you need to press the dodge, exactly when you need to throw an axe, and you kind of like it's almost like you're programming your moves in in a way that is really really satisfying when it finally clicks and you get it right. Um, and it it almost always feels satisfying to die and start again and go well. Mm-hmm. This was the spot that I messed up on in the last fight. Let's try it again. Uh, it's neat. The final boss, like that section, I found so I maybe butted up my head up against her about twenty or thirty times, and then was like, "I'm just not good enough at this game to you fight mean, her at the level of like gear I have." You mean the final Valkyrie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I, yeah, I butted up the final boss of the game. is very easy, but the um, the final Valkyrie, like. Ah, oh, like I, I, you know, when you fight a boss and you're like two hits and I'm done, and I need to land about three hundred to take her down. Yeah, it's so cool, and that's how like and like every time I pushed like two or three minutes into this fight without getting hit, and like I'm using every ability. I've completely changed my loadout just for this specific boss. Yeah. Like it was like the sort of thing that. You, it's almost like how people approach like Monster Hunter and Dark Souls is the way that I was starting to look at it. And it's nice that they don't punish you for saying, I don't want to do this right now. This is too much. Let's move yeah. on. That feels really nice. I never felt like I was, I am someone who gets kind of obsessive about completing side content when I really go all in on a game. But even me, I didn't feel like angry at the Valkyrie stuff. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to shelve this. I'll come back to it later. There'll be a cool story payoff, but it's not absolutely necessary and I don't feel bad for not doing it right now. And I think they do a good job of imparting that. Also, there's specific dialogue. So for like a lot of the bosses, if you go up against an optional thing and you walk away, there will be a conversation between Atreus and Kratos about it. <laughs> like everything has, has something written for it. Like you can tell why they like uh, Corey Barlog like, forced them to make that game way way better than they ever planned to and that's our game of the year god of war <laughs> yep. see you all in 2019 <laughs> come back in two weeks for this exact conversation which we'll just put out as a podcast we'll just clip it out yep and just repeat it yeah i'll we'll have to dub in erica and allison but uh before that uh-huh. see what is done <laughs> Is that Erica or Allison? <laughs> also, I don't want to take if Alex, if you have any other thoughts, I didn't mean to yeah. railroad that Dude, conversation. That's <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I'm probably going to finish it by the next podcast. Uh, cool. And I don't know. The part I'm at right now is fine. It's I'm in the mountain, kind of at the part where you have to get like the 
not the elevator, but like the claws or whatever that go to the top of the mountain. So <laughs> that's, that's about it. So that's from what I hear, that's about a third of the way through or something. That mountain, there's a really cool boss fight. Cool. In the mountain. But uh, yeah. Uh, what else have you been playing? The other, so since you got the number one pick, you also, you only get the number 10 pick. That's the other oh, game. Okay. So this is our number 10 game of the year. All right. Our number 10 game of the year is a little game called Orlop Deck. Oh, the Oprah Den. All right. It seems, it seems a little low, play. but you know, that's, that's okay. Yeah. I played that too. Yeah. It's a neat game. Uh, you might want to talk about it more than I do because I'm like three or four hours in and I think you finished no. it. So yes, I, I did finish it in like one sitting basically like, you know, I had to get up and like make dinner, but then I played it because that's a game where if you take too much time off, then you just like, you kind of lose everything. And then you have to like almost start over. Like in some ways, like if you don't have to go back and like figure out the people you've already figured out because it locks in the victims, but I guess we've talked about it on the podcast before, but if anyone doesn't know, uh, Lucas Pope's new game, uh, he made Papers, Please. And you play the game. It takes place on a boat that has got, had gone missing, for like that is owned by the East India Trading Company. And everyone on board is missing and or dead. And your job with this magical stop or like pocket watch is to like look at their last moments and figure identify everyone on the boat and that's there's like 60 people on that boat (laughs) and it's not like everyone's like hey jeff oh hey bob you know occasionally you get a name but a lot of it's looking at people and identifying like who they hang out with and yeah it's so great when you do get a name like you you say and it's like mary they're here and you're like fuck i know who mary is now oh my god yes <laughs> yes it is or like it is very like sudoku in that way <laughs> yeah it's so cool and and then it like blows sudoku. like a whole thing open like when i realized like oh all these people hanging out in like this section of the picture they're all like top men and they all work yep. in the rigging I'm like oh yeah this uniform okay. this uniform means blah yeah There's, it's like yeah, this hat i will be very careful to avoid spoiling anything so i'm going to keep this as spoiler free as possible i will say there is one particular scene that when you realize how important it is to uncovering the identities of so many characters it's like this amazing light bulb moment um that like not even a game like the witness ever recreated for me. I don't know that it, I, I was so taken with the, how smart Oberdin makes you feel when you solve things um, that uh, it was, it was a really like, it was, it was um, I was elated to kind of figure out a lot of those characters. So there, I don't know exactly if I'm, I don't know what scene exactly you're speaking about, but there was one for me where I was like walking around. It's like, Oh, Hey, I can walk past this character and I can go down here. I was like, wait, I can go to a different part of the ship for this section. And then it like just revealed like a whole other scenario, like the beginning of a a different scenario Mm -hmm. that I hadn't like that. I've been like, okay, well like this guy killed this guy. And then, but wait, what happened before? And I couldn't figure it out, which seemed weird. And then I walked down in a different memory and I was like, oh, 
Yep, totally. Right. Yeah. So the diorama asks because when you uh, when you use the spot pocket watch, it puts you in like these dioramas where everyone's like locked in like this la- the last moment of this person's life, and so you can go down and look around. And sometimes there are things happening on different floors of the ship and you have to go and you have to get to the different floors to look around. Very neat. I just, I love the way that that game that it opens to and kind of establishes like, this is, this is, this is how it's going to be when you open, when you go to that first scene and you see the dialogue and then the first scene is that guy just getting blown away mm-hmm. by a yeah, the screen. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so you, and it's because you come in knowing that everybody dies and that a lot of them are going to die in these brutal ways. It's, it's not sad in the way that a lot of like, kind of like, we don't have to talk about it now, but like a game like vampire is kind of fucked up at the beginning and it it's good. It's not that that's a problem and that that shouldn't happen. But I loved how in Oberdin, I didn't necessarily feel bad for what was happening to these people. Mm-hmm. It was more just, a hunt to figure out the answers. Um, and that was kind of satisfying. Yeah. Well, you don't know who any of the people are. You don't have any like emotional connection to them. Really? Like you could maybe, maybe make an argument that you develop a connection to the characters throughout the course of the game. Or like, Oh, this person didn't deserve this or yada, yada. But yeah, it's very, it's very like, dis- you know, you're just like coming in yeah. and identifying who people are based on physical characteristics or like a name you overhear or like what their job is. Mm-hmm. And, I think my biggest complaint, and we should hear from Alex, but I, one, my biggest complaint is like that there is guesswork in it, like, and it like it only works because it's a game, and if you like identify three people correctly, then it, it locks those in. It's like okay, you did it. Three people are correct. You can't change these because they're right. But some of them, I'm just like, I, I have no way to actually identify who this is. So I'm just like putting in like different names. Like I know how they died, but I just have to put in different names. But I won't know until I get two others correct. So if that, like, I would have preferred a way to maybe make it a little like find clues to identify them. But besides that, and like the, the pace at which you kind of have to move around the boat which at times was like, oh, come on. I just want to jump into this other memory. Why do I have to walk all the way down to like the bottom floor and across the ship? Uh, it's not like a terribly large space, but it was just like when I was like having to go back and forth between memories to cross-reference things. I was like, damn it. But Alex, what are your thoughts? Um, I don't know. I'm going to reserve my judgment until I finish it, I think. Okay. Just because... I've probably experienced about four chapters worth of story exposition, probably solved about or like uh, resolved about 20 names, 20, 25 names. I can't remember. So getting it, but yeah, I'll reserve my actual thoughts until, till the end. Yep. Sure. My kind of thoughts as I played, it was like started it and was like, wow, this is really cool. And then kind of got about halfway through and said like, wow, this is cool. This will probably be, you know, pierce my top 10 by a little bit. And then I had a session where I think I solved 34 of the deaths in one like four hour session, five hour session. Mm -hmm. And by the end of it, I was just completely enamored by the experience of the whole thing. And like, I don't know if it was the nature of how I played it. I think I played it in like three sittings. Um, And I don't know if it was playing it like that, that, that made it so effective, but definitely by the end of it, I, I went from being like, this is a really neat game to being feeling like it was sort of a transcendent experience by the end. 
What filter did you guys use for the visuals, or did you change it I from just the used default? The, the basic, whatever the default. Yeah, same. I looked at them all, but I used the basic one too. Uh, I used the LCD. That's cool because I found the basic one to give me a headache after about an hour. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, it's nice that they added other filters for that. Yeah, there are moments where I'm just like, I just can I see i can't see what's happening partially because of like the art style and also partially because of the way people are like positioned yeah and so it was like wait okay what is happening here but then like you go into like a different memory like you go into like the next memory in sequence or whatever and then you're like oh this guy's got a knife sticking out of his neck okay yeah i i, I think the memories i enjoy are the ones if i don't know do you want to call them memories or scenes or whatever the case might be yeah. the 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 things that you go into when they're like five seconds apart from each other. Mm-hmm. So you, it's kind of like, yeah, you're, you're watching almost like a stop frame animation of what happened next. Yep. <laughs> it's very neat. Uh, I would love to see like a game do like the actual, like, Hey, you have to look around for context clues to solve like a mystery as opposed to like being handheld through a mystery with like, okay, walk over here and investigate this. Yeah, now investigate yeah. this. I would love to see that like expanded out by someone like if Ropa game where you have to like okay. actually find stuff, but then like, you know, there's the trial stuff and the investigation isn't the actual like focus of that. But yeah, um, some, something like that where, is actually encouraging you to figure out yourself what happened as opposed to guiding you to the answer, yeah. which I think is my favorite part of like what that game's doing. Totally. Though speaking of guiding you to the answer, that like mystical beam of light thing that leads you around that thing is sometimes it's, the pathing on that is so stupid. Yeah. It's, it's very, weird. Yeah. <laughs> very like when I told you about uh, the red dead epilogue, you said you described it as self-indulgent and I was like this, this light beam is a little self-indulgent if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, like oh, when, I'm okay with that though. When they're know. like, <laughs> when, when the two bodies are less than a meter apart and yeah, then it, it like drags you through like, like a five, not five minute, but you know, like a 10 second yeah. walk just to get there. <laughs> to go around and <laughs> up in the air and down. It's like, why? Especially when it's like, I, I can see it. And then sometimes you can go, you can go in the memory. You can go into the next memory sometimes. Yeah. It's just like, why, why can't we just do that the whole time? To be honest with you, I think I hear what you guys are saying, and I don't think you're wrong. But I also would, I would love to see next year him patch in the ability to like jump through them faster mm-hmm. and see what someone playing it for the first time thought. Because I actually think that the slow having to kind of move around the ship and having that like moment of like, oh, I got to go all the way back up to the captain's office. I think that that actually is important to the experience even if it feels frustrating while you're in it mm-hmm. um because i think that if you could jump between memories even at the end when you hadn't seen the ship i think it would become more of just sudoku i think it would become less of a you would feel less of a sense of place and you would feel more like you're just flipping through pages in a book to click on yeah I see what you're saying. I think the first time you experience them, it should be that way. Even if like, you know, the beam of light gets improved a little bit or something. But I think once you've unlocked all 60 or whatever, like let's say it's 60, if like he spent, obviously spent so much time working on that book to make it like really navigable and just like really usable. If you could go to the map page and be like, okay, filter out all the ones I've already solved. And then there's like little X's that you can click on and be like, okay, I just want to go to that memory. 
and then it just pulls you in or something like that. Would it be tells you because the map does show you where the memories are. Yeah, you just you can't. You have to go and you have to go to the actual memory to access my, it. My theory is that it would still be less impactful even if you could do that after Maybe. seeing them the first time. But I don't know for sure. We don't know. Maybe. That's why I would love we, to see him at it. Yeah. Once once it's been out for a while, I'd love to see him at it and see how people think what yeah. people think mm-hmm. because yeah. I don't. I, th- I think it would be interesting. Yeah, I don't think that is like if we were making a review here as a group i don't think that would bring it down a star level like it's no that's no, still a good no. game yeah okay well there you have it god of war is our game of the year return to the Oberdin is number 10 uh, okay no, Pat. that's not how that works it'd be number two because it's the, the order we talked about games in <laughs> no no i i said up front he got number one so he, he only gets to pick number 10 he was really specific he was, yeah. You know, and I realize this isn't very fair to Eric or Allison. But. And I also just realized we're going to be here for four hours because I can't let Oberdin sit at number 10 on this list. <laughs> All right, it's I 11. Gotta I got to stop the filibuster. Nope. Those are, those are the rules, Pat. Nope. Uh, Your rules, I don't agree. Like I fucked, you know what I'm saying? I didn't sign anything. <laughs> uh, Speaking of think. not signing things, uh, what game have you played? Um, I have played, uh, a, I don't know if it's more depressing or not a game that's supposed to be more depressing an Oberdin called Frostpunk. Uh, I kind of finally, I, I, when it came out, I was very much like, this seems like a game I would enjoy. And then I sort of saw that it was doing well critically, but I didn't really hear anyone gushing about it beyond some brief touches on it on podcasts that sort of ended in people saying, I need to play it more. Mm-hmm. So because it wasn't like I kind of didn't work it into my schedule because I figured I'll play it at some point. It'll be cool. And then I was just kind of trolling through the the autumn sale on Steam. And I noticed that it is sitting at uh, like a 96 percent overwhelmingly positive or something like that and decided that I should probably touch on it before the end of the year. And it was on sale anyway. So I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, That game is incredibly interesting. It may be the best city builder i've played uh ever i don't know mm-hmm. um it is it is a it is a remarkably good city building game that gives you an incredible balancing act to pull off um the basic premise is that um the world is freezing over uh and, future uh well sort of <laughs> um it's kind <laughs> of a uh, <laughs> it's very steampunk um which you don't really see at first, but as, as you kind of eventually you discover automatons and realize that it is just full on steampunk. Um, and the idea is that London is kind of falling and you lead a small group of people that abandon the city of London to try to find, um, to, to sort of find a new home in the frozen wilderness. Um, it's a little unclear as to like, there is an opening cinematic that sort of explains the story. It was hard for me to parse, as to why the people were actually leaving London in the first place, other than that the government there kind of sucks at that point. Um, and then I don't really understand why you have this generator all of a sudden. Um, it, it's, 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 it, the way they frame it is it, they act like you left with it, but then it's already set up once your people get to the crater that you're, city is going to be in but the setup's not important it's a frozen wasteland you're trying to make it through the winter um it's it's basically in it it feels like it's in um northern england uh and uh you sort of start with this set of survivors it's like 40 people 
and you have a generator that provides enough heat to keep them alive, the temperature starts off at negative 20 degrees. I believe it's Fahrenheit because um, you'd be very hard to survive in negative 20 degrees Celsius. Uh, and um, you you start no off comment. by... <laughs> Uh, maybe it is negative 20 Celsius. I don't remember what it says, um, but it, it gets down to negative 60 at mm. times, uh, which I think would be instantly unlivable if you were on the Celsius scale. Um, nippy. Yeah, I think that would kill you immediately. Uh, but um, you kind of are battling the cold. The first thing you're sort of set up with is you have these 40 people without homes, so you have to build them homes. You have to start producing coal so that the generator can continue to run and you have to start producing food so that people have food to eat. And it is immediately a very precarious balancing act. Um, I sort of started it by playing once, made it to about day 19. And then my people were revolting because I didn't have enough beds mm -hmm. for them for the, in the, in the medical centers. I didn't have enough food. I didn't have enough coal to keep the generator on. Um, and then I re and at that point I actually was very frustrated and I was kind of like, I don't understand why people love this game so much. It seems impossible. But then I started over and it was like sublime because I understood the challenges that would come and I kind of saw them coming and I just, it resulted in building this really, really clockwork mm -hmm. instrument that would have, it was always teetering on the edge of of the cliff but i was just ahead of the game enough that i could keep it there and it's really really satisfying when you get to that point yeah and you kind of understand what the game is throwing at you and um yeah that sounds kind of appealing to me just because that's kind of the way i play like 4x games like civ is you take yeah. you take a you take a burner round you're just like oh uh like i'm just going to kind of experiment the first time through and be like okay yep. kind of understand the mechanics of this and understand if I do this, what impact does it have? And then once you have an idea of that, <laughs> then you can come back to it for realsies. Yep. Um, and I think that it's an incredible value because the, the base starting scenario probably takes, I haven't finished it yet. I would imagine it takes about six hours um, to make it through. And then there's a couple other scenarios that came with the base game. I think they came with the base game that, uh, are a little shorter that you can try. They're kind of like alternate start conditions with different stories because the game does have a loose story. It's not one of my concerns with it was that it was sort of a linear city building experience. Like you would always run into the same road bumps at the same time, mm -hmm. which is kind of true, but it's hard enough to get through that initial scenario that even when you see them coming, you it's still satisfying to, to kind of try to get past them in different ways. And then since release, they have added a fourth story campaign, which is actually based on you taking over an outpost that has failed mm -hmm. in the original scenario. Uh, and kind of it's called the fall of winter home. Um, and that's interesting. And then there's also an endless mode now that lets you just play forever, uh, which is, you know, neat as well. Two difficulty yeah. modes on it. So mm -hmm. the strife you face, is it purely environmental and food or is there also like warring factions? There's no, none that I, well, it's hard to sort of say. Um, there is nothing where external invaders are coming to attack you that I have seen, and I don't believe that that is in it. There doesn't seem to be any infrastructure in the game to deal with that. However, you do have to make a choice eventually between, and none of this is really spoilery, you do have to make a choice eventually between um, whether you want to focus your society on order and discipline or whether you want to focus it on faith. Um, and... The George uh, Michael song. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, faith and religion, actually. <laughs> so I don't know what faith and religion looks like because I've gone down that order path both times. Um, but once you're down that path, there is never any like, I'm going to command my units to kill these things. But there does there is internal strife that starts to build. Specifically, that sort of fall of winter home situation, it leads to your people having a massive loss of hope because another they find out another settlement failed. Um, and again, this is all foreshadowed. None of it's really spoilery story-wise. Um, and uh, you kind of have to rebuild their confidence. That's sort of where you pick the split between order and discipline or faith and religion. Interesting. Uh, and so the order path sees you building watchtowers and a propaganda office and stuff. This kind of gets to my one criticism of the game. Um, I want to play it more because I could see it. It is a, such a fantastic simulation. However, the moral part of the game is it's supposed to make you feel like you're making a real moral decision between things like enacting child labor and whether you um, take people with frostbite and give them prosthetics so that they can continue to work or whether you put them in beds forever. And while that stuff has some weight early on, the thing that I find frustrating is that it eventually gets to a point where it backs you into a corner and says, you must choose between becoming an authoritarian power that rules its people with an iron fist or religious cult. And I find it frustrating that there is no middle ground there. I think that were this to happen in real life, there is a, a path where people could get along and could embrace sort of socialistic values to sort of try to build a community that would be best for everyone. I don't, the game seems to trade on the notion that human nature dictates that either you have to be an authoritarian ruler or you have to be a zealotous religious ruler. That's the only way to survive in this situation. And I don't love that. that that's sort of the only thing mechanically it's fine, but there's two very different paths that are both interesting to play down. But since the game is so focused on having this moralistic stance, I don't like that it shoehorns you into those two roles as you play it. Kind of, um, sounds, like, kind of sounds like the end of Fable 3. <laughs> yeah, yes, definitely. There's definitely a degree of like, these people come to you with problems and it's like, you. this isn't an, an actual problem from the game, but these are, I'm just kind of paraphrasing and trying to come up with an idea. But like, let's say uh, you find this this person... And early on, it doesn't really have this problem. It's later on. Uh, you find out that this person has been writing poetry. Here's a good example. Writing poetry that's like, talks about like how hopelessness and loss is, is inevitable and that will never survive. And they've committed suicide. And your options are to burn all their poetry and get rid of the body and make it look like it never happened. Or just to let people find out about it and do what they will with that information. And the way that they frame it is like, Nothing bad happens if you get rid of that person's body and all evidence that they lived or hope precipitously falls when people read their poetry. And I just don't think that that's an accurate portrayal of how that situation would play out. I think there's a third way where you say, like, it's a tragedy that this person took their own life. We're not going to censor their works. We believe that there's a way forward and we hope that the rest of you believe it as well. As you can see, the food and coal stockpiles are a mile high and it should be fine. You know, we're doing fine. I don't like that. There's that dichotomy of like either be the bad guy or you lose that. That's kind of like, it seems like it's kind of like forcing you down that path when in fact, I actually have a pretty well-functioning society at this point and I don't really need the benefits that come with being super religious or being an authoritarian leader. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So that part is a little frustrating, but that that's more because I feel like the game is trying to paint a moral picture for you that I don't think it allows for any expression in. But mechanically, it's all incredibly sound and remarkably well made. So it's kind of a weird criticism of the game, I guess. It's kind of interesting because I would say the last game I played, it's 11-bit studios that made this. The last mm-hmm. game I played of theirs was this War of Mine. I believe that's their only other one, right? I think they had one other. I forget what it's called, mm-hmm. though. Look it up. But um, either way, that game was mechanically terrible. <laughs> and like morally. Oh, yeah, they have a bunch. And, Sorry. Yeah, like morally and ethically interesting. Like, so it was kind of the inverse mm-hmm. in terms of like the, this war of mine. Like, it was pretty linear, but the the message it was trying to convey was a bit more nuanced than choose black and white, choose renegade paragon kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that's the the thing is that it doesn't even feel like it's choosing renegade or paragon. It feels like it's it's sort of the the issue with sort of neoliberal politics in general that I have, which is like either you do the unpopular thing and everyone will hate you or you do the thing that everyone says you're doing and no one will notice. And I just reject that those are, that that's a real dichotomy. I think there is a way to navigate situations like that where you, you can't please everyone, but where you can do the right thing and also be clear about your morals. And I, I feel like the game is sort of cynical in its, its, its recognition of that. Um, but I would still recommend it strongly to people because I, I think as long as you come in with an ability to sort of like scrutinize what it's telling you moralistically, then it's, there's still a lot of value there, both from a city builder and because it's worldview and philosophy is interesting, even if I disagree with it. Cool. Hmm. So would you pick it Sounds over? City, would you pick it over Cities XL? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I would pick it over City Skyline too, and I actually like City Skyline quite a bit. Sorry, the thing yeah. that I think Frostpunk is so refreshing with is one: I've always had an issue with scale in City Builders. I actually really liked SimCity mechanically. The last SimCity, the EA one that like sure. people hated, I enjoyed it mechanically. However, it never made sense to me why my city could never get larger than like what would be classified as a village in, (laughs) in, in American, uh, city classification. It always was frustrating to me that I could only ever have like a couple thousand people when New York city actually has tens of millions of people in it. Um, Cause you were supposed to play with four other people to make, (laughs) even if you built those like mega cities, you could never have over like 10,000 people. And that was always frustrating to me, even though I liked it mechanically. The other thing I would say is city builders almost always fall down a trap of the game being almost entirely about, um, logistics and traffic um that's something that cities skylines sort of is it's it turns out that manufacturing like building these cities ends up being all about traffic and traffic Mm -hmm. flow and that is pretty a pretty realistic representation of what city design is like in real life but it's nice that in frostpunk that the 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 roads and streets don't really matter that much Uh, it's more about how you choose to manage the city and its resources that's great because that was my least favorite part of a lot of city builders especially old yep. sim city where it's like all right lay down your sewer pipes and that's totally why i recommend it so highly because there is a concept of roads you have to build roads out from your generator to build structures mm-hmm. but it is very light there's no concept of traffic your people don't actually use the roads it's just <laughs> that you use them as a skeleton for building your 
buildings. Okay. Um, it's also a small space, so it feels more manageable. Um, you can't fit like you at mid game, you have a couple hundred people living there, but it makes sense as to why you would have a couple hundred people living there because it's this small colony of people trying to survive on the fringes of society in a frozen wasteland. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, it makes a lot of sense. That's cool. Neato. Uh, Oh, we lost Sam. <laughs> I was just about to throw it to him and his, his game about European ball. Oh, Okay, he's coming back. <laughs> we well, got him. sorry, the sound died on the hangout yeah. because I well, was messing up saying. I, I, I was just about to throw it to you, so you can tell us all about European politics on the Switch. Yeah, speaking of European politics, um, uh, I'm running a review at the moment for a game called Real Politics. Uh, it was first released for PC and then for phones. Uh, it is a modern politics sim. So it's not, it's like, imagine if you made like a kind of a grand strategy game in the vein of like Stellaris or whatever, but basically only let people control the politics aspect of it. Um, you can like order stuff, but you, there's no micromanagement. Um, it's, <sighs> It's not a very good game. It's oh, no. Even, it's even worse on Switch. Um, like, I, I had a quick look at some other reviews while I was putting mine together, and everybody's like, mm, this is trash. Referring <laughs> uh, to, like, the PC version or the Switch no, version? So people think the PC version is okay. Um, okay. Uh, a lot of people have been echoing the same sort of thing that I saw, which was that it's trying to be super deep, but when you get down to it, the mechanics, like the game itself feels pretty shallow. Um, there are lots of options, but none of them feel particularly exciting or good. Um, yeah, I just wouldn't say, I would say don't buy this game. But maybe <laughs> that's a commentary on real politics where there are so many options, but none of them are good. If, it is, it's, if they're intending to do it. <laughs> that's okay. That's your European politics update for this episode. Yeah. Just don't, don't listen. Don't listen. No, do listen to this podcast. Just uh, do also read my review, but don't, uh, don't play this game. Would you like to plug where that review can be found? It'll be found on Rapid Reviews UK sometime in the next few days. Okay. I'm going to write it as soon as we finish recording. Okay. Well, we'll to save you from this, we will just we'll keep recording until you expire. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. uh, like, it, it looks nice. It kind of looks like Civ. Uh, imagine if you controlled Civ with uh, the joystick of the Joy-Con and it moved slower than you want. Oh, well, God. That, oh, dear. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a strict way to get me to stop playing Civ. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, so, a, it's basically the it's a fake mouse pointer that you control with the joystick, and it moves like wait, about 20% so slower than you want. Wait, can you not use the touchscreen in handheld mode? You can, but try reading anything on that screen in handheld mode, <laughs> especially <laughs> when your fingers obscure a lot of the screen. There's a there was literally in the tutorial there was a button to advance to the next thing which I was like this needs a stylus. 
Wow. Okay, fair enough. Well, <laughs> Point taken. <laughs> okay. Uh, sounds like not a good time. So that is our number three game of the year. <laughs> yeah, it's a real shame, but I guess that's how it works. Uh, Frostpunk is number two. Yeah. Who have thought? Yeah. Could be could be worse, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if uh, end up number two on my list, but uh could be worse. Uh, here for our number four game of the year. Uh, I downloaded Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, it's been a really good podcast, guys. 46 uh, episodes. G- give me a second. Uh, I, I need so much, everyone. I, I need to get uh, this video, apparently. I didn't have this I at the see, ready. I, I see you're also a connoisseur <laughs> of fine digital video games. <laughs> it's it's not like it's oh it fine. sucks it sucks it's no you could say it sucks i've tried it before too like, well, the problem is it's just know. it's just a port of the phone game. it's, it's not just good a, like so it's a, it's on the computer but the screen is just like a phone sized fucking ha- thing i have really sad news for you it's not any better if you play it on an actual phone oh no <laughs> well the phone the, at least on pc like they actually use like a wider screen but on this and the, on the sides they have like big versions of a card so you can read them and then like on the right side i don't remember what they have over there they have like some menu options or some bullshit but you know as a kid i was really into Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, I oh, went yeah, to like, Toys R Us. I went to the, like the tournaments at Toys R Us on like Saturdays. Yep, bunch of cards. Uh, but you know, you go Duel Links. Uh, it's it's really sad f- because you go like, but the mechanics of Yu Gi Oh are solid. I'll enjoy yeah. it. I still yeah. want to play. I still want to play a game of Yu Gi Oh. It'll be fine. I've never experienced it where like the mechanics of the physical game are good enough that I think I'll like it. And then because of its implementation and menus, I end up hating the digital version so much. It was a very depressing moment when I was like, "Mm, I guess I'm just never going to play a game of Yu-Gi-Oh again because I don't want to do it. There were so many like cards or there's so many cards that I just don't know how they work now. Yeah, and, like it's very mechanically complex. I'm just like, what the fuck is this? I don't. What are what? And there are like some cards I recognize. I'm like, oh, I remember when that was like a new thing. And I don't. Why? What? But, the Pokemon yeah. one is a lot better. I okay, well, maybe I'll check that out. But I was never into the Pokemon card game. Really, I played yeah. it like a couple times. I just, you know, the nice thing about the Pokemon digital card game is that you can only get cards by scanning them from the physical cards. There is oh, no way to purchase cards in the app. Oh, so. Oh. It actually forces you to go buy physical cards if you want new ones. Oh, <laughs> interesting. That's, you get like I mean, some free ones for starting, but then after that, it's all scan them in. Okay. Well, uh, so yeah, there's our number five game of the number four, number four game of the year. Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links. I don't think that came out this year. When didn't it came out last year? Well, then <laughs> it's not eligible. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, I played some Tetris Effect. Uh, I picked that up. I got $15 coupon from buying Spider-Man and Red Dead on PlayStation during the countdown to launch sale. So I used that on Tetris Effect. That game's real neat. Uh, like the the way the music and like the visuals kind of just like blend into the background or the visuals especially just blend in and like it's hard to notice, which is kind of a bummer because they're really cool. Uh, but the music is just like hypnotic at times yeah 
uh, I know you played some, Alex. Uh, do you have any like particular like levels or like music that stood out to you? Uh, uh, there was lots. Um, how far in have you gotten? Uh, I'm trying to remember what the last level I was on. I've done. I I really enjoyed like there's a foresty one where the where you have like some wood sounds. Yep, that one was really good. I, I've liked. Uh, there's like a level early on where like you start in the desert and like yep. in a ways the that one take when you turn up, yep. like is like sand and then like you go into space. Yep, and, that was like, one of the ones I was going to call out. That one's super cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I t- I tend to like the levels that like where the the block noises aren't super intrusive yeah like like there's an early one with like drums where like when you i think it's when you drop a piece like the drum sound or something and i just found it very distracting because the noise it didn't sound good there's um in terms of visuals and such one of the ones that i loved uh and i've heard people talk shit about it is the new york city one Oh, I thought that one was really cool. Yeah, like the jazzy was, level. Yeah, it was super crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah, when, like that. when you get to the latter half and it's just like, it's like very visually stunning. Like it's just a bunch of uh, like New York um, transit maps, essentially, of like various mm-hmm. lines yeah. of the subway, just kind of like being transparent and coming at you in neon and stuff like that mm-hmm. and flashing. And it's really cool. I think I had a holy shit moment with this game where... It was one, it was like the end of like the second stage or something. Mm. It's like another underwater level and like under like another deep sea one and there's dolphins. Oh yeah. And then (laughs) you like, when you clear lines, they like do something. And then like, eventually you get up to like the surface of the ocean. And every time you clear a line, the dolphins jump. Yeah. And that was just like, holy shit. That's so cool. Yeah. That game has a lot of holy shit. That's so cool moments. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so yeah, touch effect, pretty neat. I could still see why people might not want to pay $40 for it, but like if this were like another, if this were like a Medios game or like Luminous or whatever, like with all the music and like the visuals and stuff, I think people wouldn't like think twice about it, but just because it's Tetris and people have played Tetris, you know, a million times in a million different forms, it becomes a more like, well, but I can play Tetris in all these other ways. So, yeah, it's, but there's totally like, they totally put enough into that game to make it worth it. Yeah. Man, we could talk about Uh, different stages all day, but yeah. 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 (laughs) It's just, it's wow. It's, it's a real neat thing. Uh, I am not as good at Tetris as I previously thought. And also I didn't realize the last thing I want to say is I didn't realize that the speed varied throughout the levels. Like normally in Tetris, you're used to it just going up and it goes up in this game, but then like, it'll drop down after you get past like a certain, like you clear a certain number of lines and it goes into a new part of the song and it would go from like seven to three or like 10 to three. Oh, whoa. So have you haven't gotten to the very end yet? Have you? No, not the very end. Okay. So at the very stages away or something, uh, minor spoiler, I guess at the very end, there's a point where it goes from speed seven to speed 11. And that one's (laughs) really rough. It's fucked up. Yeah. Uh, yeah 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 the speed goes to 11 uh so there's that and let's see what else have i been playing uh i played a lot of vampire yesterday that game uh, seems cool it uh so Isn't i'm in vampire vampire i don't know vampire i don't know <laughs> john carpenter game 
yeah uh i am in either late in chapter four or early in chapter five uh not exactly sure which one uh but i'm starting to get into like the like bigger overarching like narrative as opposed to like the smaller like oh i'm trying to figure out what's happening to me now i'm like engaged in like bigger things that are bigger than myself and i've unlocked all the like city areas so i have like a lot more freedom of movement um but also with that freedom of movement comes a lot stronger enemies that are a pain in the ass because the combat is not very good and also i don't like just killing random civilians to like level up so I I've only killed like well, I've only like feasted on one person because I was like, well, they seem like a very bad person and <laughs> they like they're just like, I like killing people. It's fun. I do it all the time. And I'm like, well, I can't. And then I talked to their mom and their mom was like, yeah, I wish he wouldn't do that. And like, you know, if he got caught, like I'm not going to go to the police, but if he got caught, I'd tell him what I know. And so I was like, OK, this guy's done. And I ate him. And everyone seems happy. I it's it's I, I'm only in chapter one, so like yeah. I never I haven't gotten past the first like part of the game really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to the point where you go to the bar and you're mm-hmm. like talking to people. It seems really that game seems like what it wants to be is fucking awesome. Like it seems like it wants to be a very cool vampire role playing game. It wants to be Mass Effect Citadel Cop, but not in the Mass exactly. Universe. Yeah, and it's so cool. But like and like even the combat, the concepts at play hmm. at are, are, are really cool. Um, the the like <laughs> Alex holding up a weird political ad. Yeah. Uh, the, the concepts at play are really cool. It, it's like in the combat, like I like the different kinds of weaknesses, the different weapons, mm-hmm. the way that your different skills work. But the combat just kind of feels sort of janky Mm -hmm. and Uh, floaty in a way Mm -hmm. that i don't love um and then like in dialogue i really like the writing and the way that the characters are portrayed except that the main guy is so like it feels like you could just be like encountering someone in a bar who's like dog i'm just here to to have a pint and he's like i know you have more information and you'll reveal it to me or i will ruin you (laughs) and it's just very intense and very like holy shit this guy And he's you actually meet people for the first time. You're like, tell me, I know your deepest secret. <laughs> yeah. I found he, your diary. He feels like the, I, I was, I was telling my partner, it feels like the, if you've seen what we do in the shadows, which is a spectacular <laughs> vampire movie, I highly <laughs> recommend. He feels like the one of them, I forget his name, but the one who's very dramatic. That's one what the, played by Jermaine from. Yeah. 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 Who, who's kind of like, doesn't understand why everyone else thinks he's being overly dramatic. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like that. Um, and then also it's the same voice actor from call of Cthulhu. I didn't realize that at first, oh. but then, then we were talking about how he's really self-serious, just like the guy from call of Cthulhu. And then I looked that up and it is the same guy. Okay. And I think he's a good voice actor. I just mm-hmm. think that his delivery plus the writing makes it all seem incredibly intense in a way. And I also kind of, there's another part of me that, and you're farther than me. So maybe this Mm -hmm. makes more sense later on, but early on, like the way that game starts, you wake up in a pile of corpses and then you murder your sister that starts Mm -hmm. in, that happens in the first 30 seconds. That's definitely not a spoiler. Um, And then for the next hour, he's like, I'm going to figure out what, 
who did this and who did this to us? Like he keeps mm-hmm. like framing it as like someone did this to us. I didn't kill her. It wasn't my fault that I killed her. Mm-hmm. It was this other person that turned me into a vampire. And it's very like, Sorry. there's a little bit of like, dude, you definitely chowed down on your sister. Just like own up to it. Get, get over it. You did it. It sucks, yes. but you I'm, did it. Yeah, that, that that comes back up and that's good. Like, yeah, it like they don't just drop that story thread. It's like him learning to be like deal with what he is and how he became and all that stuff is like pretty central to the story overall. Good. I will um, say like the I, main story. And then there's like tons of side stuff. It's like a little, it take so I've done almost all of this. I've done basically all the side stuff I've encountered. Like some of it you can fail out of, which is a bummer. But if you choose the wrong like dialogue option, it'd be like, okay, you just shut off that side quest because the person didn't like what you said. And there's no way to like get it back. Um, but I've basically done every side quest and it, some of like, just because you're running around so much and there's no fast travel. So it just, it can really take a long time to get through some stuff. Yeah, I kind of like some of those aspects of the, like, you just have to live with the consequences. Mm -hmm. I think it could be a little bit frustrating, but at the same time, it's nice that it exists in a game. I think so many games give you the ability to kind of save scum your way through stuff, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of cool that this one doesn't. And I also think one thing I really like is that he he is clearly very bewildered and doesn't super know what's going on early on Mm -hmm. in the game. And I actually really like the way that's portrayed in dialogue. Like there's an early scene where you meet this guy who it starts off with him, like holding a cross to you and you're kind of like trying to convince him that you're not there to kill him. And when you sit down and start the dialogue with him, he's like, well, you know, why are, why are you here? And you're like, dude, I don't know. And then he's like, okay, well, what what are you going to do when you catch him? And one of the options you can choose is like, I, I don't know. I don't know what's good. You can definitely play it as the, like, I don't understand what's happening. I still think this is a dream. And I like that because it, it, it conveys it's different than sort of the, it's an interesting thing where like in a lot of these kinds of games, everyone, the main character always becomes super competent directly following the basics of the mm-hmm. tutorial. Mm-hmm. And I like that in this game, the the main character still seems like he's not sure what the hell is going on. Um, yeah. Which is cool. That, that that's, that's, enjoyable and you know in the grand scheme of things he's still like where i'm at he still doesn't know what's going on like he's just kind of being pulled around by like various like parties there are other vampires in the game spoiler uh Mm -hmm. and you you interact with them and you know they want things from you and you want things from them and yeah it's so you know these are very patriotic vampires i would say (laughs) that like like that was not a turn I was expecting is <laughs> secret society of super patriotic vampires. Um, but yeah, see, like I think this game's pretty good. I just, I wish the combat was better. I wish I could turn down the difficulty and just do the story stuff at this point, just because I'm not enjoying like when I get to like a boss fight and I have to do it like several times. I'm like, Oh, come on. Like I got hit stunned and then like they do so much damage that a three hit combo kills me. Like it's just not great. And it, wa- it wants you to like have to make the hard choices about like feeding on people and whatnot, which I don't want to do. I want to be a nice vampire because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in the story about uh, like people like other vampires like choosing not to feed and stuff. And 
yeah, there, there's some stuff around that. So it'd be nice if the game wasn't trying to force you in that direction. Have any of you played uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines? I've played Blood Rain. <laughs> I, I actually haven't played Blood Rain. <laughs> uh, Vamp- Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines is one of my favorite games of all time, like top 10, probably, mm-hmm. uh, period. And it's interesting. Uh, they're not similar at all mechanically or even really thematically because Bloodlines is set in L.A. in modern times. Um but uh, it's an interesting contrast because um, Bloodlines definitely treats the blood is mostly health and then also kind of mana points. But you're, you're basically paying health to use abilities um, in combat. But in Bloodlines, like you start off, you get turned and then through the tutorial, the, this guy is like the bad guys are these other vampires. They're called the Sabbat blow their heads off they're bad guys and so it very much is like you don't feel bad about killing the enemies because they're just they're all other awful vampires and there's a lot of amazing story stuff that happens in that game but the the npcs that you feed on to kind of refill your health are pretty much always played as just like dumb mindless hitman npcs and you never you can like feed on them without killing them so you never really have to make those moral choices so it was kind of interesting going into vampire with like this game, I played bloodlines every few years over again. And it was neat to go into this game where it was not like, it's rough considering who you're going to feast on mm-hmm. and, and yeah. you have to do it in order to advance your character. And I kind of, I see where you're coming from. Cause I don't want to make those decisions either, but you also have to, to move forward. Yeah. And in some ways, like contrasted with Frostpunk, it almost felt like the moral choices that you're forced to make in vampire are a lot more interesting than you mm-hmm. do in a game like Frostpunk, where it sort of railroads you on these two different paths. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And as you kind of towards the end of chapters, you get like, you get choices about like, okay, how am I going to deal with this character? And then like, depending on how you deal with that character, like if they die, then that'll like negatively impact the district they live in. And then like, maybe more monsters will show up or like, you know, the health of the district will go down and it'll, or like maybe if things go well, then you'll get like a better deal at like shops because everything will be happy. Everyone, everyone will be happy. So they'll charge you less at the stores and things like that. So it's, it's neat that they have like so many options. I just wish the combat was better. Yeah. I wish the combat was better. And I wish that the, I wish that there was tighter direction on mm-hmm. the voice acting and the conversation sequences. Uh, I will say that I, the first time I fed was in chapter four, I think. And so I did not feast on anybody until chapter four because I just got so much experience from doing like side quests and stuff. That's kind of cool. I mean, and, and you, you do, you do, there's kind of different sorts of feeding. There's the feeding you do on civilians to kind yeah, of get yeah. experience. And then in combat, you're feeding on enemies to fill, to up, your blood to meter fill up your blood meter that you can use for special attacks. So yeah. it, it's, it's nice because it doesn't feel like you're like never feeding, even if you mm-hmm. avoid feeding on the, the people you can talk to yeah. in conversation. Yeah. Uh, so that's that. And uh, do we want to talk about the Hitman elusive target? Yeah. Let's talk Hitman for couple minutes uh sean bean i got him not not very well but i got him same uh did anyone else play that alex you play it no i have not started hitman 2 yet oh i'll play it uh so 
uh, Sean Bean, the Undying. Uh, they gave him some different name. I think it would have been better if it was if they just said it was Sean Bean. But maybe, yeah. I did like but, the way that some news outlets said just straight up, "You can kill Sean Bean in Hitman now," and some of them were like, "You can kill the character that Sean Bean portrays in Hitman." <laughs> it was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. Um, so I, what I did was I brought in the pale duck, which is an explosive duck. And I just kind of, I know that if they find it, they'll just pick it up and carry it around. So after taking very painstakingly finding like, okay, I know he's going to come to this room. I took out the doctor that was in there or like the scientist, like hid him, stole his disguise, threw the duck on the ground, waited blew him up and then i tried to get away but then as i was trying to leave someone was like hey you're not you're not this person and then they started shooting at me and then i had to break open like a chain uh, like a gate so i could get into a helicopter and i got away with like sliver a sliver of health it was it was not my best work it was one star but i did it Pat might have a more interesting story than I did, but like I, I, I love I love using the explosive duck on elusive targets. Yeah, I don't know that I would say that my story is more interesting. It, uh, I kind of did. I didn't bring the the explosive duck in. I went with like a standard loadout. And mm-hmm. um, one thing I will say about this particular, I mean, this is kind of true of all the targets that they've done, but. Um, they recorded a bunch of dialogue with Sean Bean for this. Mm-hmm. It's well, yeah, they did cool. it with Gary Busey too. Like, yeah, if and I never if you're actually get someone like that. Then you should. Yeah, I never actually played the Gary Busey one, mm-hmm. admittedly, because um, I kind of got into the elusive targets after they had all already mm-hmm. come around mm-hmm. once. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for the Sean Bean one, I did the kind of basic setup that they give you, where mm-hmm. you can go in um, and get a meeting with him Mm -hmm. by talking to a guy at the front desk. Uh, And then like, there's this really entertaining moment where Sean beans, like walks up to you. He's like, if you were to kill me, how would you do it? And then you can kind of like look around the room and give him an answer. Like I, I direct you out to the balcony and push you over the edge. And he's like, ah, there's a lot of bushes down there. It would break my fall. You wouldn't even know that I'm still alive. And just like, lots of really cool, it's a really cool encounter because he's like staring right at you, asking you to explain how you would kill him. Um, but then uh, in that meeting room, and I actually restarted it three or four times before I actually got to the like, mm-hmm. this is the one, this is the run. Uh, there, I slowly took out every single person in that meeting room. <laughs> uh and dragged them over to uh, another side room. Um, mm. I unfortunately did end up just killing one of them because I was impatient and I should not have, because I could have mm. totally gotten silent assassin if I hadn't. Um, and then uh, when he finally makes his route back to that room, he will uh, leave his guards outside. They don't come in with him. So then I just walked him and shot him in the face and <laughs> dumped his body over the edge and, made it out never no one even knew that it was me uh so it was very satisfying and it was a lot of like that's how i tackle a lot of problems in hitman is i find a room that no one patrols and then i just start taking bodies there (laughs) i slowly incapacitate everyone in the space um and it definitely worked on that one but 
it's a really cool mission and I'm excited for more elusive targets. I do think that they kind of need to, or I shouldn't say need to, I would like it if they said, if they removed that requirement that you can't replay it once you finished it. Um, if they want to say, maybe put a timer on it or something, but like if they want to try to continue to make the stakes really high, that's fine. But I think it's kind of unfortunate that I can't go back and watch the whole path and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I can't go see what he does after he leaves that building or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he doesn't, I don't think he just, he does that loop like forever. Well, they said something about him though, going from that building to they like in the, in the intro cinematic for him, they imply that he goes all over the map. Like he it doesn't just stay in that seem like it seemed, it didn't like for me, it didn't seem like he ever did. It seemed like he just patrolled between like the lab and the meeting room. Maybe they do encourage you as one of the options to go to the race tower and use yeah, that as a sniper's nest. Snipe um, him in, in the lab, like next to the lab. Got it. Okay. Um, so it, I don't it, think he ever actually leaves. I just wish that I could try. I mean, that game has so much content, but I just wish that I could try approaching it in different ways. It yeah. would be kind of cool. And I think that it is like there is there are a lot of stakes there, but I almost think that maybe the solution is make them available for a limited time. Make it so you have to play them on professional so you can't save mm-hmm. and like they do. And but but let you play it as many times as you want in that period. Mm-hmm. I think that would be cool. I, I, I don't know that it the sliver of players that go, well, then it's not a hardcore enough and you didn't really yeah. do it well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't give a yeah. shit if those people want to call yeah. everyone else casuals or whatever. Like just, just, just let us play the content <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, that is Hitman. Everyone should play that game. That makes uh, it our, what, number five game of the year? Uh, right after Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links. That sounds, uh, you know, I don't know about it's the, the games before it, but number five, I think I could look at that for Hitman 2. Uh, well, we'll see. We have to further, we have to figure out our game of the year schedule, uh, which we'll do in the very near future. Uh, but that is going to do it for this episode 46, right? Yes, 46 on uh, Saturday, November 25th, 24th, Sunday, November 25th for me. Uh, And yeah, uh, find us on iTunes and Google Play, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Leave us a review on iTunes if you would, would you kindly? Uh, And Alex, where can people find you? Metacritic. Metacritic. Got it. Uh, you're sitting around at 50, right? That's what you said. Right around. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you like know, this. maybe with uh, some post-launch support, you can get up to a 76 or something. Mm. Uh, Pat, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on the internet at Jester PC uh, on various platforms. Just do a search for it. See if it pops up. Uh, All right. All right. Uh, that's it that's all okay okay (laughs) uh and sam where where can people find you and your reviews yeah you can find me on twitter and instagram at sgch those are my initials because i'm cool uh and they're never taken on any social media network except tiktok for some reason anyway (laughs) uh and uh, you can find my reviews at the moment on Rapid Review UK, Rapid Reviews UK, uh, 
the first one up is for Shenmue 1 and 2 collection, and uh, that's probably a lot more complimentary than my second review is going to be. But the basic text of that review is, do you like Shenmue? Probably play this game. But what if you just left it in like in your memory? What if it's better in your memory? You know, uh, I'm not going to sit here and second guess your review. You played it. There are certain things that I definitely. There are certain people where I would say it may be better in your memory. But if this is your first time at move, just like play Yakuza. Maybe don't play it. Yeah, maybe play Yakuza Zero. Uh, yeah, like, fuck! I need to get back to Yakuza Zero or Six. six. Yakuza Six. I've yeah. finished Zero. The one thing about the Yakuza games is there's loads of cool weird shit in them, and there just isn't any cool weird shit in Shenmue. <laughs> like Shenmue's, the dog, man. they're trying to be so realistic. Yeah, Tom Shenmue, Hongo, man, like no cool one. shit. Two out of five. No cool weird shit. <laughs> I think I got three out of five. Right? I gave uh, it three. I think I gave it three and a half or three. Three and a half sailors out of hot dogs. I will say it's been very enjoyable to play <laughs> through and talk about multiple games that involve sailors because there is a sequence in Call of Cthulhu that is some of the worst voice acting I've ever seen in a video game. Wow. Where oh, someone buddy. says to a police officer, you're not sailors. Well, <laughs> why they don't understand how a, a crime was perpetrated because they're not sailors, so they can't understand it. Okay. That sounds... Eight to ten thousand percent better than the voice acting in Shenmue. I'm sure it is, but uh, every time anyone says something about a sailor, I think of "You're not sailors" from uh, Call of Cthulhu. Do you remember the black car that day? <laughs> okay, okay, that's. Uh, you can find me searching for sailors on Twitter at Coolslaw C O O L S L four W. Uh, that is going to do it all for us today. Uh, do you know where I can find some sailors? <laughs> They're at the tattoo parlor, right? Uh, There's also a line in that same conversation where someone says, "You shysters." <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. We can argue at Game of the Year about worst voice acting, Call of Cthulhu or <laughs> Shen. What do you remember about that day? <laughs> okay. Check out Sam and I's new podcast where we read voice acting lines to each other. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's talk about real quick in Shenmue. It's, it's the only moving car in that entire game is the car on that day. And people will talk to you, like, explicitly for, like, you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't see that car, the only moving car in Yokozuka. But, like, this cat, I did see this cat. <laughs> hey, you know, maybe they were they were busy. They weren't they weren't outside. Or it's just you a bad video game. A real champ. I, there are plenty of moving cars that go past my apartment that I don't see. There's, there are plenty of bad video games. There's moving cars. There's moving... Shenmue is not a bad video game. It just uh, shows its age a little bit. And it's got forklifts. Neither is that's, called that's Shenmue 2. Oh, shit, you're right. <laughs> no, no, forklifts are in Shenmue 1. There's forklifts in Shenmue 1, but they're heavily featured in Shenmue 2. Yes, that's what I'm thinking of. So many hours of forklifts. <laughs> I, I just watched the oh, I watched the Beast in the Shenmue, the Shenmue Endurance Run Dry Bomb did, and there was a lot of forklifting. Yep. Yep. Racing, in fact. Yes. There, yeah, there's uh, forklift racing. And there's like just forklift job stuff. But anyway, yeah. uh, that okay, that is really going to do it. No more forklift talk. 
Sam has to go and play a video game. Yep. Uh, so uh, please enjoy your the rest of your weekend, and we'll see you next week, probably just with a regular podcast, hopefully, for me. Yep. And then we'll the week see. after is game of the year. Yep. That is that is currently the plan. God, so, yeah. It is two weeks. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to finish Red Dead before then. <laughs> uh, Who's going to finish Red Dead except Andre? I, I, could, I think yeah. I'm just going to trust Andre's opinion. I'm not going to. I'm not going to start it. <laughs> I, I did what I'm not expect to like that game, and I liked it, but they they really fumbled it. Um, anyway, yeah, we'll get to that at some other point, <laughs> right. maybe. Let's okay. speak about this in two weeks' time. <laughs> so long, everybody. Thanks for joining. Bye, guys. Farewell. Bye.